welcome to the seventh episode of our podcast, Children's Relay. My name is Shirley. I'm Julie. And we've been best friends since the fourth grade. Um, in this podcast, we read the books we loved as children and discuss their impact on us uh, then and now, and, and see if our opinions have changed since we first read the book. So a little background, I'm a librarian, and Julie? Um, I'm a computer science PhD student who misses literature. Yay, books. <laughs> okay, so um, we are going to read the next book in our series, The Hero and the Crown, written by Robin McKinley. Um, this is one of our favorite books um, from childhood, and I'm going to start with an author bio to give you a little bit of background about her. She's a pretty interesting person, actually. So, Jennifer Carolyn Robin McKinley, known as Robin McKinley to her legion of ride or die fans, is the Newbery winner of over 20 children's and YA and some adult books. Uh, including Beauty, The Blue Sword, Deerskin, and The Amazing Book, which we'll be discussing today, The Hero and the Crown. She doesn't really have much of a web presence, so this information is from Wikipedia, but I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Robin McKinley was born in 1952 in Ohio, grew up all over the world, as her father was in the Navy. She lived in California, Japan, uh, New York, and Maine. She married fellow author Peter Dickinson and lives in England. Her books are generally set in a fantasy world or retellings of fairy tales. Her heroes are uh, girls and women who, quote, get to do things, but are often also quiet, awkward, and outsiders, sometimes something she would describe herself as. Many of her books deal with themes of trauma and mental illness, Although in the book, it's never really, the books are never discussed uh, or called mental illness. Um, and also uh, themes of what being a hero is or what heroic is. So this is a really cool kind of background. Um, I also read that she hasn't really written as much lately. Her husband died some years ago, and I think that's really affected her. And she might have had some health issues. She had, she has a blog, but she doesn't update it all that much but she's trying to get back into writing but has sort of been I think struggling as as many of us are struggling but I think she was struggling before even our current 2020 struggles also she would be what in her 70s and has written many beloved books so I feel like she's earned some rest yeah but I the blog or some commenters were saying that she may not have as much money as she needs oh no yeah, so it's not just as a artist or a writer, you know, doing their craft. Also, from a financial standpoint, she might need it, especially if her husband was sick or if she was sick, right? Because medical mm. bills are crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that wow. might be a part. That's really sad. So, like, everybody go and buy books of hers. Go and support yeah. her. Awesome. Yeah, you should get, like, a pension if you win a Newberry or something. They should. Do they give you any? Is it a, is it a monetary prize or is it just... Slap it on your book cover. Uh, I don't know. Let's do the thing where we quietly Google. Continue. Okay. So um, I'm going to start the summary while Julie L. Googles it. L. Googs it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So summary. The Hero of the Crown starts in the middle after our hero, Aaron, the only daughter of the king, is recovering from Ida Circulis after a dare gone wrong with her cousin, Galana. Mm. How do you say it? Let's say Galana. Galana. The names are challenging in this book. Mm. 
Um, Circa is a leaf that is known to be poisonous to commoners, but not royalty. And Aaron, the daughter of the king's second wife, has always been considered an outsider and not royalty. The book then flashbacks to early in her childhood and the friendship between Aaron and Tor, her other cousin, uh, who is Sola and heir to the throne. Then it goes back to the present, and Aaron is... We, we go over and see Aaron very slowly recovering. She discovers a book in the library about dragons, and in this world they're real. And in this book, she finds half of a recipe for Kinet, a dragon flame resistant ointment. Uh, she makes friends with Talat, her father's old war horse that was injured in battle and is now lame and grumpy uh, because he was put out to pasture. Right Then she has a lot of practice where she has to learn how to ride horseback on Talat, fix his saddle, how she makes Kinet. Like, it's a very labor-intensive process, which is described. Mm-hmm. Um, so after all that, she's off to fight dragons, but like little ones. She becomes pretty good at fighting little dragons and feels less like an outsider because now she has a job and the people think she's useful. And her life seems to be kind of getting better until she wants to go ride out with her father and Tor to treat with Nirlol? Sure. Nirlol? The names are made up, so you can just choose. (laughs) It's so hard. N-Y-R-L-O-L. Nirlol. A noble who has seemingly gone mad and is threatening war with the kingdom. She's turned down and is sad as the king and entourage leave. Then a rider from the north comes and tells them that Mar, the great black dragon, has awoken. So Aaron is like, oh dang, gotta fight that then. Uh, And so this is about halfway through the book. And it's kind of interesting because the cover of my book anyways is a picture of Aaron fighting Mar, the black dragon. This is not the climax of the book. There is still a good half of the book to go. So um, beyond this point, it gets so spoilery. So if you've not read this book, like go read this book, go buy it, go support Robert McKinley, read this book. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, just just stop. Will this recording will still be here? When you <laughs> yes. So spoilers. Uh, Aaron fights Mar and nearly dies in the process. He's much more heavily armored than the large dog-sized dragons she's been fighting and her sword and spears don't do much against him. Kinnett fails miserably against the power of a full-sized dragon, and he and she is severely burned in near death. She takes a redstone from Mar, from his body. Um, you, you find that it's his uh, last drop of blood, um, and manages to get to a nearby village, and they take her back to the castle. The villagers decide to take Mar's skull, which is evil, and talks to her, and she's near death for a long time. Uh, she leaves to find Luth, who came to her in a dream. There's a lot of dream messages, because it's pre-email. Uh. <laughs> 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 Luth is a wizard and heals her by making her not quite human anymore, teaches her some magic, and Aaron has to go fight her uncle. Her uncle bullies her, and they fight. <laughs> she defeats him and falls forever from the tower. Aaron and Luth have some adult time, and she goes back to the castle to fight near Lol. Everyone is super worn down from all the fighting, but Aaron comes and whoops ass, plus she has the hero's crown and the redstone, and everything's all super magic, and they finally beat the bad guys. They're still depressed because Maru is uh, like making an aura of depression around the castle, so they kick it out of the castle, and Aaron and Tor get married. The end. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> 
I think I bought my new. It is now incredibly beat up. Mm. It is super yellowed. Mm. I will never change this book. Although, okay, this is just my age. Is the font terribly small to you? Um, it's not, but I have very good vision. (laughs) (laughs) So when I started rereading this, I was like, holy hell, when did this writing get so small? And you know, like, you look at your parents, and they start, like, holding things further and further away, and they kind of zoom in and out, like, try to find the right distance. Yeah. That was 100% me reading this book. I was like, I, I, I need better vision <laughs> really <laughs> felt like nostalgic attachment like just looking at the font like something about the font seems very like childhood fantasy book I feel like if I read this book in a different font I would feel sad mm. I don't know I just feel like it's very well it is a smaller type probably like a size 10 which is pretty small nowadays yeah they're also kind of mashed in like there's not a lot of um yeah lines. yeah like, yeah the kerning is Mm. Yeah, and you find that definitely much more, I think, in adult books rather than um, children's books. Yeah. Children's books, like, one of the ways that when I'm working, I'm like, how old is this? Who is this intended for? And mm. if, the, the, if the font size is huge and there's a bunch of space between lines, I'm like, little kids. <laughs> <laughs> because basically the more compact it is, like, the older it is. And then, of course, then you get really old and then you have to use the large print fonts or mm. for me. <laughs> well that actually like quick tangent question for you um as i was reading this i was reflecting it's like why is this a children's novel because i feel like you could plausibly package this as an adult fantasy and certainly it's about you know she's like 15 when the book kind of starts and she's probably like i don't know 18 or 19 at the end so it's in that kind of ya range but it's very clearly a children's novel because it won the newberry well but should it have? I mean, not saying it should have won the Newberry because it's an awesome book, but should it be a children's book? Now, it's before YA as a genre was really right. well defined. Nowadays, I would think it would not be considered a children's novel because, again, you look at the age of the protagonist, the protagonist, she starts off at 15. And generally, they say kids read books with protagonists their age or a little bit older than themselves. That's a rule of thumb. It's not 100%, but that's sort of how people do it. So you, you're saying like a 13, 14, 15 year old, right? If you go by that metric. Right. But beyond that, and I think we're just kind of going to jump ahead a bit because I think it's a valid point, is a lot of these themes, I mean, we were outsiders and I think we knew that from a pretty young age. Yeah. yeah. Like, there are some adult sexy times. That's actually really funny. I, I, there's so they definitely there's definitely some uh, like some sex it's like it's like maybe like four lines of of suggested adult uh activities um yeah. but it is really funny that it's like i feel like even as a fairly young author or author a fairly young reader like i understood it's like oh like sex is happening now and i feel like there's yeah. also like one very kind of pointed um sexual reference in the outlaws of sherwood that like really stood out for me at the time so i don't know what what it is about robin mckinley with just like <laughs> that one little, one little, little, one little dot. <laughs> I mean, but it's also very different, like how it is sort of covered in in Robert McKinley's book versus when we talked about in Alana, right? In Alana, they also the main character does have sex, but like it's very specifically written for I think a young audience, where it's yeah. it is not 
explicit as in they describe what's going on, but right. explicit as in she's going to do this. It's and I completely think this one is more unambiguous. Like, as an adult. Yeah, like yeah, you know, fading away to the window kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this one is definitely fade to the window. I just think it's sort of strange because again, like if you were to give like a ten-year-old, mm-hmm. right? That's not an uh, experience that they would be, in theory, having for many, many, many years. Right, so right. It, it's it's sort of odd. I feel like nowadays, at least within children's libraries or children's books, they generally are pretty vague. Yeah. Or they just don't, they don't do any. Like, if you read Percy Jackson, right? Some of those characters are 15, 16, up to 18, more or less, but usually high school age. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do anything more than kiss and hold hands. Okay. I haven't read those books. Uh, Are they like Greek gods, though? (laughs) Yeah. Which, I mean, if you know anything about Greek mythology, you should be getting it on everywhere. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm a swan. I'm going to get it on with a human. I'm a golden shower. Get it on with a human. Like... Yeah, um, we definitely put it put a spike, and we're definitely going to have to talk about the um, the the Delaire's uh, Greek uh, Greek mythology books, but that's for that's for a later episode. Um, yeah, yeah, but like um, anyway, yeah, like not to get too they, hung up on they don't, but in this like, one, they they it's interesting. I I don't I don't think this book nowadays would necessarily be categorized as a children's book. The way it's written, the tone, the pacing is very different from modern children's literature. Yeah. Right. It could definitely be marketed towards like older YA or like new adults, which is like the sort of early 20s. Oh, is that um, just even just a plain fantasy? Interesting. Because I think it's very readable from an adult perspective still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because we're adults. Obviously. So. I mean, also just like a good book is a good book. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't think, I think it's interesting. I, I, again, I would not necessarily call this a kid's book. Like, because I'm reading books to Wesley and, I mean, I'll I'll want him to read this book later, but, like, I don't think I would introduce it to him necessarily, like, in elementary school yet. Also, yeah. this is, um, let's kind of move to the next question. Is, yeah. Um, how did this book affect us as kids, or why or why didn't you like this book as a kid? You know, or, like, what did you think about rereading it? Right. As for, like, what appealed to, appealed, uh, to me as a kid about this book, uh, you already mentioned the fact that Erin is kind of this outsider. She, like, she doesn't fit in. She doesn't understand um, kind of like the social life at court. Um, there's like a, a mean girl, Galana, and her like mean fiance. <laughs> Who actually like, I feel like as a kid, I like totally hated them both. And now as an adult, I was like, oh, they're pretty funny, actually. <laughs> like, What I thought was very interesting was so, yeah, like Erin in the beginning is like 15 and Galana is like 19. She's like way yeah. older. Yeah. And then she gets married to this guy, um, like Herlis. 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 And he's like 10 years older than her. So you have this like 30 year old man bullying a 15 year old. Jerk. (laughs) I know. I was thinking about the math. Okay. So let me see. I actually tried to do math here. Oh, excellent. So in the beginning, I think she's like a 14 ish. Yeah. And and it's like she's like maybe. 17. At birth, Aaron, Aaron's birth, Glana is 7. Tor mm. is 11. Perlith is 17. Mm. I think that's the math. Okay, okay. 
Wow. He's 17 years older than her and bullying her. I'm what like, how, how petty do you have to be to bully a child? Oh right? my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so yeah. petty. Yeah. Like there's specifically a scene where he's he's bullying Aaron because like someone else has the temerity to have a crush on her and not on Galana, who is clearly like the prettier and more desirable girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so funny because they do. I kind of thought they were all about the same age. Um, no, no, I knew Tor was a lot older than she was. I knew Galana was a lot older as well. So like that was one of the things I was looking for when I was rereading it was to see it was it was just really really ridiculous so um so they're all there's this sort of like uh just uh, cloud of cousins they're just a whole bunch of co- royal cousins everyone's running cousins everyone's cousins i didn't actually put together until this very reread that tor is her very first cousin um uh, like yeah. very close blood relationship here like his father is her father's you know literal brother so that's cool um <laughs> <laughs> Part of the reason why Aaron is this this outcast is because um, she is the witch woman's daughter. Her uh, her mother is this mysterious witch from the north that no one trusts. Uh, it's there, like kind of rumored that she um, like ensorcelled the king into marrying her. Uh, but now just like wow, it's good you like introduced a little you know variety into that gene pool. So yeah, well, I mean, like, <laughs> so all of the the royalty in this family, and this is the whole thing about the circa, is that. The circus is like this kind of ivy that has like a chemical in it. And basically if commoners eat it, like it makes them really, really sick and it can kill you. But when someone from the royal family, because they have something called the gift, it mm-hmm. basically does really weird things. Like it's basically like shrooms, but real magic. Right. Yeah. Have, that I get. Like, prophetic dreams. Um, or like you'll be imbued with some sort of like magical quality. Yeah, or you have, like, strength for days, you know, right. kind of thing, and then at the yeah. end you, like, die. There's a story about a guy who, like, chewed it for, like, three days in a fight and then died at the I end, and then he looked like weeks. a million years old. He stayed awake two for weeks. two weeks in battle chewing Circa, and then at the end of it he died looking like an old man. Yeah, right? Like, there's, whether or not that's true, I mean, it's a fantasy world, so it could be true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, right. So that's something else that's really good about this book uh, that we can talk about later is that there's a lot of information in it that's a little bit dubious, and there's a lot of things that various characters don't understand, and like there's no one person who really has all the answers, also, which is kind of interesting. But let's we'll get back to that later. Yeah, well, no, actually, we can kind of go. We can still talk a little bit, a little bit, because you mentioned how you know, like you've always known the story. The story that she's talking about, she's always grown up knowing, was the story of her own mother, because her mother died giving birth to her, so she's never known her mother. And right. so she is constantly asking her nursemaid, Tika? Yes. Tika, for, you know, tell me about my mother. Tell me about how my parents met. Tell me, you know, all this stuff. And so it's, she's continually re-asking the same story because she's hoping that she'll get one more description, one mm. more thing she hadn't heard to kind of add to her mythology of her own family. Right. So I think it's kind of interesting. But again, so we're hearing this story filtered through her nursemaid. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it's the true story, you know, and how much information did her nurse have? And so I think that plays into the end of the story with the uncle because so she is an outsider. She is not incredibly inbred like the rest of her family. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and they talk about how the gift is actually something from the people in the north, I think, right? Yes. Is that kind of what they said? 
yeah. people in the north have this magical power but it's actually really 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 dilute within mm. um this this royal family and i i would assume that they probably in marry to keep it in the family right 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 yeah right yeah. And so it's like when you're trying to like make dog breeds, like who breeds the strongest hips together, and I'm just like, ooh, ooh. Yeah, and then they're just their their hips fall out of their sockets and and so on. Yeah. Oh, and they get the big Habsburg chin. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, actually, I'm assuming that they're all pretty like good looking because apparently Glenn is like beautiful. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, maybe it hasn't been that long. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's not actually that beautiful. Who knows? <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I think it's it's revealed later that like part of Galana's gift is that she kind of makes herself look more beautiful than she is. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Okay, I don't remember that part. Is she at the end? They say that. Yeah, actually, I think so. Um, Luth, who we'll definitely talk about more later, uh, says that Tor is actually very lucky that Galana was not a tiny bit more gifted because if he had been, then he totally would have married her. Just be like, I don't know why I'm so miserable all the time. Like, it's like... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, she has, like, I guess it's basically like magic charisma. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of things. And something else I kind of like about this book is that it's not a kind of a Brandon Sanderson sort of like very rules based kind of magic is there's not yeah. really a magic system, which is not to say that those types of things are bad. I enjoy those also. But it's very kind of like mystical fairy tale logic, like, and again, like no one fully understands, like kind of how magic works. So yeah, like the circuit can do a lot of different things or your gift can have a lot of different effects and you might not be able to control your gift very well. And yeah, even Luth, who's a wizard, like, yeah, doesn't really understand it either. You know, right. Right. And he's just sort of like, well, hope this works. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, apparently he's also not very good mage. Yeah, he's actually like not really good at being a mage. (laughs) Okay, so let's see. We were talking about. I think we were talking um, about why we like this book as kids. Um, I like so, this book. Yeah. I, I, I really like this book again because it's an outsider, and this is gonna be this is gonna make you laugh. So the main character in this book is tall. She's got big feet. She's a little bit awkward. She's got like long red hair, and literally like you were <laughs> my stand-in <laughs> for the character. Oh yeah. Like, Julie-ish looking. Yay! Oh, so flattering. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's it's funny because as a kid, you're kind of unself-aware of these things, so I didn't like necessarily like ah, this is like the Mary Sue self-insert like Julie character. <laughs> but particularly the fact that she has big feet is like <laughs> kind of a. I also have big feet and if like there was a fashion for tying tassels over my shoes I would also not understand how to wear them so they didn't like get tangled Um, (laughs) but also I would secretly be super awesome and save the world Um, yeah no Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so I have a question for you here Mm -hmm. so um, Erin is very um, because she feels like She's this outsider. She's sort of like disliked. Um, she's not very good at like just dealing with the social realities of court. And so she's very withdrawn. Um, mm-hmm. She's very insecure. She's like just um, the way she kind of deals with this whole situation is just to retreat. And I think as a kid and even reading this now, I kind of feel like, yeah, like that's a totally normal reaction. Like that's how I probably would handle that situation also. Do you also feel that way or do you feel like, wow, like you're so like insecure, Aaron? What's wrong with you? So my my thoughts on basically Erin as an outsider and she's so yeah she's as I said earlier she's kind of timid 
And yeah. I think her really her reaction to all these people basically like talking about how she's like, oh, she's you know not real royalty, like oh she shouldn't be here, is yeah. basically just like, turn invisible and hide. And I kind of feel like I think she was probably naturally introverted. Mm-hmm. Like she would have been introverted regardless. Like she was never going to be Galana and be like, "Hey, look at me! I'm I'm all that," you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think sort of the nature of her her circumstances kind of made it more so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there are people who also like when those circumstances are like, "Screw you! Right. I can do it anyways," you know? Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like you lash out, or like yeah, yeah. I mean, you're more introverted than I am, and so I think you were definitely more of the kind of person to just go and be like don't mind me, I'm just passing through, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, this is how I'll um, deal with conflict, is just to, like, you know, disappear into the wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, when Homer just kind of backs into Yeah, 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 that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, my, my inclination as someone who has um, rage issues mm-hmm. <laughs> was to, like, like, if basically... I mean, I would only basically take the bullying so far and then I would just get, like, really angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smack people, which I don't advise. Don't don't smack your bullies. But um, it, it, there, I think there's just sort of two ways you can go about it. And she went the I'm part the brickwork uh, yeah. route. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's interesting. And I think it's interesting to think that if that's how Robin McKinley felt growing up, you know, because if you move a lot, you're always having to make new friends. And if you're quiet, introverted and artsy, you know, I mean, that would be definitely much more difficult to have to make new friends every two or three years, mm. you know, as like military families move. Yeah, I would have died. <laughs> oh my God. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, we moved a lot as a kid, but we sort of settled from like fourth grade on and we stayed there basically from fourth grade till high school, which is nice. Yeah. Lucky but, for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had any friends. Thanks, Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> Other friends? <laughs> yes. No, I didn't. Not but like... good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm the best one. <laughs> best one. <laughs> but yeah, I like this book, you know, and it's really cool because, again, it's sort of like, even though I'm not necessarily as like a wallflower, like the way Aaron is, you know, you still feel like misunderstood a lot. And to have somebody who, you know, really kind of struggles through all this stuff and, and with a lot of self-esteem issues, yeah. but still really does awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't, and unlike Alana, who sort of fails upwards, like, <laughs> like, Aaron actually, like, really does badly. Yes. <laughs> so that's also. But she gets messed up, and we definitely do talk about these, these, these failures. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty interesting. So, you know, you think like a lot of books, like there's these sort of Mary Sue's or, you know, these really kind of amazing superhero characters like Iron Man who could do everything. Um, more like the movie Iron Man, not the comic book, but like where he's like, what, a uh, philanthropist, playboy, billionaire, genius or something. Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. Karen is awkward. She eats the circle leaf and it basically makes her sick for like a year. Like two, two years. years, like two years. She's like basically um, 
Yeah, so it's actually, there's kind of two major episodes of long-term illness or kind of like long-term disability, um, which I also, um, there's a lot of that, both sort of like themes of, of long-term um, illness and also just like sort of depression and self-esteem issues that like you would kind of like just directly tag that today, but definitely as a child and even like, I think reading it over and over, I never thought about it in those terms. This is just like a thing that happened to Aaron. Yeah. So, um, so she eats the circle leaf. So basically Galena basically said, you're not royalty. The circle leaf will kill you. And so mm. they were like this standoff in the gardens because she had apparently cut off Galena's um, eyelashes while she was sleeping. Yes. And so she got super angry at her and basically was like, you'll, if you touch this, you will die. And so she, Aaron tears off like a giant branch Mm. and starts gnawing on it yeah 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 but it gives her a seizure right right i don't think they call it a seizure but basically they describe her as she fell down and was foaming and writhing yeah 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 it super messes her up yeah it super messes her up so and so uh, basically for like this is a very slow recovery of over two years and i'm pretty sure they thought she would shouldn't have wouldn't have made it right, um, right. but she has like vision issues she mm-hmm. has no sense of balance. Mm-hmm. She can't walk. Like her coordination, yeah, is just like destroyed. Right, and right. Even when she finds the book in the library, she's like, "Well, I can read if I put the book right at the end of my nose." But right, like that's the only place my eyes will focus. And then, so I guess she wanders into Talat's pasture, is pasture by accident. And again, he's this grumpy old warhorse that's been injured and is like angry that he's um, he had this injury and it actually made him lame. Like, so one of his legs, his back legs, doesn't work very well. Mm. And she didn't know that she was there until she mm. heard him coming, and she knew there was a sort of very distinctive uh, walk pattern because it was uh, like hoof print, hoof print, hoof print, drag. Mm. So she she dragged the fourth leg. Yeah. So it's interesting. So like it's sort of like two people who. You know, because Talat is an outsider also at this point, right? Yeah, actually, that's kind of, that's pretty good in that he's almost, like, disinherited, right? He was sort of, like, the best horse, and then he got injured, and he's, like, kind of useless. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, they consider him useless. um, So he's injured in this battle, and they they kind of want to put him down. They were like, you know what? No, like, if he's going to fight it, and if he can survive this injury, like, I'm not going to put him down. Right. Because normally, like, when a horse breaks a leg or something like that, like, you don't, you can't really fix a horse leg. Yeah, I think they say if, if the king hadn't had so much affection for him, they just would have put him down. Yeah, yeah, so, like, this amazing war horse, and he was like, of course, war horses are not bred to be friendly or right. easy to ride or anything, and, and right. so essentially she, like, relearns how to ride him, she, she, she has a pony, she hates that pony. <laughs> And the way the described is also really funny because she's like a mean girl pony. <laughs> like, <laughs> like her pony hates her because yeah. <laughs> she just wants to be a fancy pony. <laughs> yeah, she's Galana, but like a horse. <laughs> a horse. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah. It's really funny. But like she learns how to ride a horse basically without um, without stirrups mm-hmm. and without bridle. Without a rein. Yeah, without reins. Without yeah. a rein. Yeah. And what's very interesting is like, I'm like, how do you ride a horse without stirrups? You you hang on with your legs. Horses are really big. Like yeah. I didn't realize this as a child, but like you kind of can't hang on with your legs. Like 
because your legs don't wrap around under their belly. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, okay, so now we're gonna like just compare our like non-existent knowledge of like horsemanship. Um, yeah. I think you are generally you're supposed to like you keep your seat with your your legs and your core and so on. I think that the stirrups are like not really you don't really hang on with the stirrups. Um, but yeah, horses are unreasonably wide. Uh, they're very uncomfortable to sit on. <laughs> <laughs> I actually rode bareback once at a uh, Girl Scout camp. Um, and so not only are you seated on this thing that's like very uncomfortably wide, but you can like feel the horse's spine just like poking you in the, t- in the tailbone. Um, oh. I understand why saddles were invented. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a blanket, but yeah, it was, it was basically bareback. It hurt. <laughs> I mean, because in my, my medieval uh, European history class, they were talking about the invention of the stirrup as something really, really important in the right. advent of horseback riding. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you can't fight well from a saddle without stirrups. Mm-hmm. Because you need it to ha- provide, like, leverage. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That totally makes sense, actually. And you're probably, like, leaning around and stuff. Exactly. You know, because again, like, you don't wrap your legs around the horse, you're kind of just sat on top of this huge barrel, right? <laughs> it and really is. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just super, like, they're they're not like Lego horses where they have, like, a little skinny part in between. <laughs> 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 or, like, whatever, like. And so, like, I was thinking when she, because she fights on horseback a little bit. Um, mm. Mostly she fights, she gets off the horse when she's fighting these little dragons, but... Um, I was like, I don't know how she do that from the horse. How do you get good leverage? Oh, yeah, like throwing yeah. a spear from a horse without yeah. your feet. <laughs> she's got just thighs and glutes of just steel, man. She's, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. Oh, so anyway, so let's talk about this facility. So she's basically like two years recovering. During this time, she uses it to basically learn, relearn things. So she relearns how to ride a horse. She learns how to ride without all these accoutrements on her horse. Mm-hmm. Um, she learns how to make canette, which is this, um, it's kind of described as like a yellow greasy ointment that's mm-hmm. fireproof from a book on, on dragons and dragon hunting and stuff. Mm-hmm. So dragons in this world are like little pests. And I figure like smaller velociraptors. That can breathe fire. That breathe fire. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, they're small, but they're... Um... They're dangerous, but they're also kind of not very glamorous. They're just basically like this really annoying thing that you have to deal with. And they're probably going to like kill a dog or something, or maybe like a kid if you're, you're not that careful. And, but yeah, they said very rarely, very rarely would a person die. Someone might get burned. Someone might get bitten, but usually you wouldn't die because they go in hunting parties to take them out. You know, they were just, they, they called them just like nuisances. Right. It's not heroic work. No, I mean, I would imagine like if I don't know if you had like a like a panther or something stalking your you know village or something. So I don't know. I, that, that was interesting. And then another part, the other main disability, and this is after she fights Mara, who's the great black dragon. And so when we talk about the little dragons, you know, being the size of like I would say like I don't know, I picture like a German Shepherd. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. maybe a Great Dane tops. Yeah, um, but the black dragon is like huge did they describe how big he was i'm trying to remember if there's a specific but there's so there's a very um very memorable part where she's like kind of lying on top of his snout so clearly quite large 
I think I feel like they just describe him as like as big as a mountain, which is not very descriptive, but quite large, quite large. I wrote in my notes, part two, Mal has returned. Mara is big. The dragons before <laughs> were like chicken big. His teeth <laughs> are the of a horse leg. I would be scared out of my gourd. Yeah. She yeah. 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 Out of her gourd. Like, <laughs> so she, she fights this dragon and they're, it's so huge. And so this is my other note. She's burned. Her ankle is broken. Her arm doesn't work because it's broken. But she grabs Mars, Mars' face with her one good arm and maybe using her teeth <laughs> and climbs him. And then she has this dagger and she's, all her other weapons are dropped. And she mm. kills Mars by stabbing it in the eye with a dagger. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's this also a really wow. great, I, I remember this very clearly in that, um, so she manages to get up on Mars' uh, snout. Uh, but she's only got one working arm, and she's like, I can't mm-hmm. hold on and also pull my dagger. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just going to hang on here until I die. Um, and then Mar, like, <laughs> raises his head so much that she's actually able to, like, kind of balance. Um, yeah. And actually pull the dagger out of her boot. And then just, like, sink her arm into his eye, um, which is yeah. gross and awesome. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really awesome because so she's using this ointment which protects her from the small dragon fire, but Mara, of course, is on an entirely different scale. Yeah. And essentially like just like the first flame just burns everything to ash. Like all of her clothes like gets burned, like her face is burned, and there's this one line which I think is really beautifully written, I don't have the exact wording, but it's sort of like a little stream of fire when she screams slips down her throat. Yeah. You know, yeah. And like burns her voice. You know? Yeah, it's that's very memorable. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that also. Yeah. And so, you know, so she's super like two face burned. Like it's so bad. Yeah. 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 Um and I wrote Talent was sad because he didn't know where she went. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't recognize her because she was so burned. Mm. And probably she also smelled weird because you know she's yeah, yeah, yeah. always burning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and and part of this, she's she goes and she basically is like, everywhere hurts, I will just die in this stream. She's just gonna yeah. lay there and die. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. it's the only place that doesn't like hurt as bad is when I'm in this running water. And I'm just right. thinking, I'm like, there's so many parasites in streams. <laughs> and she, that was like the least of her worries though it was like the time to you know just just take the, the parasites <laughs> faster yeah but it was interesting so she she spends so much time in the stream she's there for like days i think yeah. she's can't eat so she's like soaking her food her, mm-hmm. her hardtack in like yeah. the stream to like lap it up and like yeah eventually gets better and gets this village and then they take her and she's like just sick for like what another half year or something yeah something like that yeah she's just like trying to recover and then just like everyone's like super depressed and then like Mm -hmm. yeah luke sends her the dream message like dream Mm -hmm. email (laughs) like she rides off but also still dying yeah see that's the thing also in the second convalescence like it's pretty clear that she's not getting better no no the first one she does very slowly very slowly Um, yeah but in the second one, they actually, Luke actually says, like, why did you take so long? You were dying. Like, mm. you know, you should have come sooner. Mm. A lot of it is because Mar is even dead. Like, his mm. head is literally, like, talking to her and saying, like, oh, you suck. Why does anyone like you? Like, <laughs> you just die and give up. Yeah, yeah. But, like, better written. <laughs> so it's 
actually, it's funny because I feel like this is a kind of a plot beat that a lot of fantasy tries to do and doesn't do it very well. And it's very, very effective here, which is that you're sort of overcome with this, like, despair and evil that's just, like, hanging over you. And you just, like, um, and it's, it's kind of a theme because uh, the... the um, the story that she's always known is that her mother uh, turned her face to the wall and died of despair when she saw that she'd given birth to a daughter, not a son. Um, yeah. And so this this book also is like kind of a, a theme throughout is like just despair and giving into despair or not. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the 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 head of Mars just saying to her, you know, they all fear you because they know, um, you know, no human could have defeated me. Um, yeah. You shouldn't have saved them. It would be better if you had just died. And it's yeah. really like it's really chilling. It's really really good. Yeah, you know, I'm wondering like this. I don't know, because again, the lot of, lot of information with Robin McKinley, but mm. I wonder if she herself has felt these feelings, right? Because sure, she sure, wrote sure. them so, I feel like, very accurately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, Bauer is the voice in your head that goes, you're not worthy. Right. You are, not, you are no one likes you, you know? Right. Right. I think it's very interesting. And again, if she talks about an outsider, being an outsider and, and you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I would not be super surprised if she or someone she knew well, sure. you know, kind of, because it's just, it's so well written. I think people like, people write mental illness a lot, but mm-hmm. don't do it well. Yeah, yeah, because this book very much does not feel like someone writing like the very special episode where we deal with depression right it's just sort of like mm-hmm. it, it feels just like a very human experience yeah 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 I mean I think considering that it is set in a incredibly fantasy world yeah like, fantastical world like, yeah the emotions in it are very real and it's very layered in that you feel like yeah she is probably um sort of naturally introverted kind of naturally um self-deprecating but also yeah. um Lots of people don't like her. Lots of people distrust her for reasons that are entirely not her fault, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's not just that she's got, like, a bad voice in her head telling her bad things. It's like she also lives in kind of, like, a terrible society where people treat her badly. Yeah. Um, she yeah. also, like, as we've said before, and we'll probably talk about some more, like, she fails a lot. She messes up a lot. Yeah. And I mean, so this is, this is the thing. So I talked about her having red hair. Like, everyone else in this country, so mm. she's pale-skinned, red hair. Yeah. Everyone else in this country is like, I kind of figured like a Southern Italian, like they have yeah. kind of tan skin and black yeah. hair and, yeah. you know, I mean, how much she must stand out because she's tall and her coloring is just so different. And like red hair in a sea of black hair would stand yeah. out so much. Yeah. Um, and then also you got to think like, and I didn't realize this until rereading this. I'm mm-hmm. like, this fantasy world is sexist. Oh, hella, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> so this is how sexism gets really ingrained in people, because as a child, I'm like, well, yeah, of course she can't be king, because, you know, right. she's a girl, right. like, Tor's yeah. got to be it. I'm like, but she's the daughter of the king. Yeah. Right, but Tor's only the one who can inherit. Yeah. So, like, okay, that's sexist. Mm. And then... But her mother died because she had given birth to a daughter, not a son. And basically was just like, okay, I'm out. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't anymore. Right. Well, there, so there's a, a couple of things in that. We find out later that she was actually poisoned by, um, you know, the, the sort of the, the main villain at the, at the very end. Um, mm-hmm. And she also was sort of like, quote unquote, not strong in certain ways. And it turns out that there was a prophecy that the only person that could defeat 
the the main villain um, who also has a, a difficult name. Um, what was his name? Let's look it up actually, because I feel like we're gonna have to refer to him by name. Uh, Agstead. Yeah, Agstead. I don't think I've ever said it. Yeah, it's an awkward name. Um, anyways, there was a prophecy that the only person who could defeat him would be one of his own blood, and so she, uh, in uh, the sexist society, assumed that it would have to be a son. Yeah, yeah, and so it wasn't just like, well, so she was poisoned, but it's like, I think they said she was not super imaginative. Yes, yeah, yeah, an interesting way to put it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's sort of interesting. I will also note that something that I really liked as a kid, as like, <laughs> I think as as like little kids and kind of like the late 80s, early 90s, like kind of the, the girl power era, um, I was always like, on alert for these types of things but I really like that um so the term for sort of like the the like a prince or kind of like the first rank of nobility is a soul and the um the women of that rank are a sola or no I, I did it backwards ah uh-huh. must, okay um the 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 princes are are solas and the the princesses are like that sort of level of nobility is is soul and I really like that a like the a ending um, like in Spanish would be the feminine ending but in this fantasy language it's the masculine ending and also uh-huh. that the um the female word is the like the unmarked word. Like it doesn't have the the suffix. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have like man and like woman, and like woman is sort of the max the the marked case. It's like the opposite here. Which yeah. I, I, this is a very sexist society, and it actually does not really translate to anything in terms of like female empowerment. Um, yeah. But I really like that because again, as a little kid, uh, I was like grasping at any straw for like you know yeah. girls being awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so I think that's part of the issue is that so she they they talk about. So in the beginning, she wants to go to meet with um, near near Lull, near Lull um, yeah. and basically like try to get him to stop because he's apparently causing mischief. They keep talking about this demon mischief, right? right. And the yeah. sexism in the fantasy world because they said no women ride in the army, mm-hmm. and they said the only women who might be able to go, and she says this is someone maybe like the spouse of the king or someone else who wouldn't cause trouble. You know what I mean, right. like. You would go as an accessory, not help. Well, it's almost kind of implied that you might go as someone who would kind of be able to sort of like smooth out diplomatic tensions to almost like, um, this is not quite the right word, but to almost perform like emotional labor. Like you would be there to give a very kind of female type of assistance. And because she's this awkward person that no one quite like trusts, like she Mm -hmm. would be useless in that capacity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was really like, I was like, do women not fight in this? They don't. Yeah, they don't. And I'm just like, because it's so weird. It's just like so many fantasy novels now, like women are like, why, why yeah. couldn't women fight in a war? Like, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we probably talked about this in the Elena episode, but there is this kind of split in sort of like how you want to address um, sexism in fantasy. And there's sort of two ways you can do it is like one, yeah. you can show someone struggling against it. And the other is that you can be like, well, it's a fantasy and we can make up whatever we want. And let's just like... Yeah our escapism will be a, like a world without sexism or at least sexism in that way. Right. Right. Like sure, that's sure. that's yeah. one of the things that doesn't happen. So, so there's this new Netflix show. Is it Bridger? I've already forgot the name of it. Thing? I just Bridgerton. Have you heard oh, of it? I have heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So um, this, it is, it is based on a, a romance novel. It is completely different in tone, but the adaptation of the book it's supposed to be set in like Regency England. Mm-hmm. The assumption is that everyone in the book is white. 
Mm. In the Netflix adaptation, there mm. are a lot of people of color. Mm. And some of them are nobility. It is mm. amazing. The main <laughs> male hero is African-American. Mm. Or not African-American, Afri- British. He's like, yeah, yeah. his dad, I think, is from Ethiopia or something. But he's from an African country. Yeah. Or something like that. Anyways, it is so cool. Mm. That that they basically said, like, you know what? We're just going to make our own fantasy Regency period. Right. Which, where... yeah, like, the Regency romance is also kind of an invented fantasy. Exactly. It doesn't really exist that way. But, like, yeah. I thought that was really, really cool because, yeah, this would not actually happen. But they mm. actually address it within the story plot. And they say, like, it's because the king fell in love with Queen Charlotte, who was, um, some people have rumored her to be um, partially black. And they sort of ran with that and said mm. that sort of gave the society permission to make people from of African descent equals within their society. Mm. You know, so you're going to be judged on a lot of stuff, but color is not one of them. Oh, like, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And so, like, again, that's sort of a way that you can address um, systemic <laughs> racism yeah. and perspectivism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you could even take it a step further and be like, look, like every person in this drama is like, got uh 21st century level orthodontic right like we're we don't we're not those people so like why why not just make some people black like we just are just going to make these stylistic decisions and it's totally fine i thought it was really cool yeah Um, yeah yeah, that is cool so so like again but i mean we grew up in the 80s where it was like well yeah women can't fight in the war like (laughs) i think people today appreciate how much the culture has changed honestly like with regard to sexism, like it's still pretty bad, but like you weren't even allowed to complain about it back in the day or like certainly not to the extent that you are now. Oh no. I mean, my, my, I I remember um, an uncle came to visit and I had said that I was like, Oh, I want to be a teacher, you know? And he's like, Oh, teaching's a fine job for women. Mm -hmm. And I remember being really, really outraged and being like, fine, I'm going to be a cop then. Like, (laughs) (laughs) nice. Like, literally, like, I mean, I know it's, it, that's the thing, it's playing into stereotypes, but yeah. basically, like, using those stereotypes and saying, like, don't put me in a box because right. I'm, like, a girl. Because I'm, like, the only girl cousin out of, like, 15 cousins or whatever, <laughs> like. Oh, wow, yeah, that's weird. My dad's side is all boys. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, there's, like, one other girl cousin that no one's met, so. No, oh, secret girl cousin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's the black sheep family. So oh, she's Aaron. Yeah. She's gonna like come tearing out at some point and like <laughs> save the world. Yeah. But yeah, but they don't know how to deal with women because they don't deal with women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like they, yeah. He didn't have any daughters to go and yell at them for being sexist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my parents had a daughter who yelled at them for being sexist. Yeah, well, um, again, to like kind of compare this with with the Alana books, um, Alana herself is very much like, I'm not going to be limited because I'm a girl. I'm going to do like boy things because I want to do boy things like, you know, not. But um, Erin herself does not really feel this way, um, even no. though she wants to learn how to use a sword and like fight dragons. Um, she doesn't really think like, oh, I don't want to accept like the role that a woman has been given. It's more like, like I'm the. the these things. <laughs> Like the, the prejudices that affect her more are more that she has this sort of like unknown foreigner blood uh, that mm-hmm. she's sort of considered unlucky uh, that she's mm-hmm. just awkward and weird 
Um, so even though she does sort of like, you know, come outside of her gender role, like she herself doesn't really see it in those terms. Right. And I, I think, you know, Elena doesn't really look as her, at herself as a failure in that way. Like, like, like her not wanting to be feminine is not her failure. Yeah. 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 Right. Erin definitely considers it a failure that she cannot dance, that she does not know or care how to dress. Like that is something that she should be able to do. And she feels right. like she should be able to do, but can't. Right. And so I think that's part of the other thing that plays into Galena is because Galena is, I think, seems like very naturally able mm-hmm. to kind of wield feminine power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Because, you know, she's still within these assigned roles, but she doesn't seem like she's subservient to her husband in any way. No, no. Yeah, right? they're very and well she- matched. Uh, despite the, I guess, 10-year age gap. <laughs> like, or whatever, right? Like, she's yeah. Gap. So she has a crush on Tor growing up, and she wanted to marry Tor. Also, because Tor, Tor is going to be king. The, right, yeah. yeah. And Perlis is only second soul. He's <sighs> second in line. Yeah. So she wanted to I marry... I think it means that, actually. I think second is, like, sort of the, the second rung down. I feel like rather than being, like, the nephew of the king, he's, like, a more distant cousin. Really? This is my interpretation, anyway. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was, like, second in line. Oh, Okay. Eh, it could be. I mean, it's a bit under under uh, described. It's a soft magic system. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is not going to inherit. Yes, he's not going to be the king. Right. And so when Tor really turns down Galena, yeah. like really is like shuts that down. Yeah. Um. Then she's like, okay, well, then I'll go for this other guy then. That's right. fine. Yeah. Yeah. She's totally settling. <laughs> like, yeah. But then it's not like he like Perlith is like you know, resisted or anything like that. Like, it sounds like, yeah, he was... That's about know. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's a good match. Made clear that she, he had never considered that he would, like, marry Aaron, even though he, Aaron is, like, of higher rank, but she's, like, he's clearly just, like, not as good. Oh, so let's see. So I have some notes. Cutting off Galena's eyelashes. Only <laughs> two weeks penitent. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I wrote, only two weeks punishment. Ha, ha, ha. Not even a punishment for introverts. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> like to stay inside. Like, yeah. oh, you can't. I think she even said that. Like, I think she was not even oh, mad no. enough, like, like not go to parties. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, there's so much. Oh, oh this okay. book is so good. <laughs> so much. Okay. So, um, did we notice anything different? So, definitely, I think I've noticed. I feel like I noticed the sexism more. Just because, like, you know, I mean, I think I would think maybe like the last five, 10 years, mm-hmm. I think society has moved. Yeah. You know, not, I, not, it's not perfect, but it's definitely okay. moving forward. Yeah. And so I probably last read this book over five years ago. I mean, I read it a lot. Mm-hmm. I used to read it like every year, but I hadn't read it in quite a while. And so when I reread it, I was like, oh. The other thing I noticed that was um, the pacing, and this is, again, something I think is very interesting. Is again, for most children's books, the pacing tends to be very, very quick. Yeah. And this one releases information so slowly. Yeah, right? yeah. It's really, like, little nuggets here and there. And, like, kind of really builds. Uh, the language is really, really descriptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why, if you just, like, listen to my summary, that is a huge disservice to this book. Yeah, <laughs> this book so yeah, well yeah. Robin McKinley has a really great grasp of language. Yeah, And there's yeah, a yeah. lot of humor in it as well. I mean, it's not necessarily like, you know, ha ha ha, but there's a lot of like turn of phrase. It's really yeah. clever. 
Yeah, it's really interesting also in that, like, the book is pretty grim. I mean, thinking Mm -hmm. also about, like, is this a children's book? Like, it's a pretty grim book. It's pretty dark. Um, But it's also pretty funny. It's very, very well written. Yeah. Oh, so, but about the pacing. Um, I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about that because the pacing is definitely really weird. It's definitely not on the kind of classic three-act movie-type structure. No. Um, you mentioned that the the fight of Mar is like not even really like the climax of the book, and also just like the the fight scene is like three pages long. It's super short. Yeah, her being sick takes up like thirty pages. <laughs> oh, way way more, way way more. Um, and uh, so again, I think we were talking about Aaron being a somewhat um, reactive or passive character. A lot of the book is her just kind of like stuck inside, or like kind of dealing with her her disabilities, or just kind of like kind of just passing the time mm-hmm. um which i think is so i actually really like this and I, I the book in no way feels like it drags and i feel like in a way um we're a little too insistent these days about that kind of like snappy pacing where you're just like yeah. this and then this and this and then this you know like yeah. this book really lets you kind of sink into these various realities um and it yeah. i think is very reflective of um both what it's like to be sick and also honestly what it's like to be a kid because when you're a kid you're kind of not in control of your time and sometimes you're just sort of like hanging out for like weeks on end you know <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think that could be like it could kind of reflect the the pers- perspective of just sort yeah. of again waiting for things to happen right but and also feeling like maybe things will never change but her I think you know when you look at her other books all of her books are like that. Again, she's not necessarily, I'm not saying the action scenes are bad, but they're mm. not necessarily the focus of the books. I mean, if you yes. can look at the sheer number of pages, yeah, right? Like her fight with Mar is not that long. Her fight with yeah. her uncle is actually, I think they described her climbing up the tower longer than the fight. So I actually just want to quickly mention that because it's one of those sort of images that have really stuck with it's the things that you just internalize with the book. The tower? Um, so there's the tower a is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this. It gets very, very kind of like high fantasy towards the end where she's fighting. You know, her uncle, who is an evil wizard, who is basically causing this sort of evil miasma that's infecting the world. Um, so she makes it to his tower, and the tower is sort of impossibly tall in this kind of like. Um, an immeasurable way and so she starts climbing the spiral staircase and she climbs and yeah. she climbs and she climbs and she thinks like oh i will never stop climbing maybe i, I will be a new god the god who climbs um yeah. and like to this day honestly you know sometimes if you're like climbing stairs and you're like the stairwells all look the same and you kind of like yeah. lose count of how many flights you've been you've been climbing yeah. i think oh i'm going to become the god who climbs <laughs> like, <laughs> <I'm> forever like <laughs> and you actually it's really great because um after the big climactic battle um the tower falls and she falls for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, and then later uh, she finds out that she was climbing stairs and falling for literally hundreds of years. Uh, yeah. So she literally was kind of like the God who climbs. And it's just this really great fantasy um, image. Cause again, um, we're talking about the themes of like kind of despair and depression and like giving into yeah. it or not giving into it. Like what kind of makes Erin her- uh, a great heroine is kind of um, her tenacity and her sure, sort of like doggedness. Like, yeah, yeah. So she's doing things that's not glamorous that no one's going to thank her for. Um, yeah. She herself is not particularly proud of herself, um, but she's cool. just not giving up, even though well, like, like someone know. has to do it. I ain't doing anything else. Like right. I guess I can do this decently. Like I'm going to do yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or even like I will probably fail, but I guess I'll just do it anyway. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. It's I honestly um I don't know. Like I, to this day, I feel like I I probably it, like internalized that as a kid. It's like this is a very admirable way to like grapple with the world. So, uh, the, uh, speaking of the like the subtle humor, right? The god that, <laughs> that like, climbs forever or whatever. Yeah. Right, and then as she's falling, and she's like the god that's falling or something. Right. It's like maybe yeah. it'll be the god who falls, or maybe the god who climbs and falls. Like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Her internal monologue is really like sardonic like yeah. there's a lot of, of humor like that she of what she thinks about right and then she, as she's climbing like she has this wreath of the circle leaves and she had mm-hmm. stuck the i think the redstone in there or something mm-hmm. and yeah. the circle was making her itch and she's just like oh i'm, I'm sure this is giving me like a huge rash it's so right. itchy scratching right. it and right. like like you just think like man the suffering of of what she's doing mm. and then the battle is I remember the climbing and falling much more than the actual fight with her uncle. Right. Even though the fight is actually pretty cool. <laughs> it's not bad, but like for some reason it never sticks with me as much as a lot of the other parts. Like I right. know there's this thing where she, she gets this um, the blue sword mm-hmm. and it is a, a magical sword and mm-hmm. she talks about how it essentially is like guiding her arm. Like she right. isn't even fighting this well. Like it is the sword fighting for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so that's really cool. But like, basically, it's like her uncle ripping on her the whole time. Yeah. And then then she falls. Like, that's my memory. Which I also, again, is like, I think that like fantasy often tries to do and doesn't do well. And I think this does very well. And like the the uncle is, again, telling her things that she's always believed about herself. And it's like, you know, you came here like a like a ragged runaway. Like, no one cares about you. Uh, You might as well. Like, why are you protecting people who who basically hate you? but there's this great bit that I think also is something that I kind of like internalized and took as a moral lesson is that she's kind of like, yeah, like, you're probably right. You know, like, she's just like, yeah, you're probably right, but I'm still going to fight you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really good. That's very admirable. We should all take that that spirit into our hearts. <laughs> well, you know, be realistic about who you are, but also you got to, you can't let bullies win, you know, right? Yeah, like... yeah, 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 yeah. And then also like, it's, um, you might lose, you know, like she fully believes at like at many points in this book, she fully believes that she's going to die. Oh, when she goes out to Mars, she doesn't think she's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing it because she, there's no one else there. And she's like, no one else can do it. Yeah. No one else can do it. And I'm like, I guess the most capable of right. people left. You right. know, like, Right. But yeah, the outcome that either she would like completely fail or that they would like maybe like kill each other was probably much more likely uh, in her mind than that she would actually win. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it is I think it's very interesting. Oh wait, I just want to one more note to that to that thing is like after she does in fact slay Mar and it's this very um you know, she takes a huge amount of damage. She's really hurt. It's like it's not at all glamorous and she's just like horribly burnt and injured like next to this, you know, giant corpse of a dragon and it's like she doesn't feel triumph at all she just mm-hmm. feels like well that happened you know it's like and it's it also um i don't know i like, i feel as a kid i didn't really think of this book as kind of like um what's the word i'm looking for kind of like bucking the trend or like uh you know kind of like uh undercutting the more normal fantasy narr- uh, narrative um yeah. i thought like this is normal but it is totally like you don't hear like the trumpets and the like the triumphant soundtrack. No. He's just like, 
well, I did it, but I paid this horrible price and no one is really going to be like throwing me a parade or anything, even though I guess they actually kind of, yeah. but like, <laughs> well, it's sort of like in my summary, right? Like it's sort of just like the end just happens. Like it just happens. Yeah. There, there isn't a huge celebration because they are going back to, she, so she goes back after defeating her uncle. And again, she had some sexy times. She realized she has to go back because there's still a war going on. Even at the end of the battle, like they said they didn't have time to celebrate because so many people had died. Right, right. You and know? they'd been under siege for like a year and they'd just been like, they knew they were losing and they were just kind of like grimly hanging on and just had no hope. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And part of that is because they had been fighting for so long and they had magic on the other side, which was <laughs> sort of like enhancing them. And then Mara's skull was making everyone super depressed you know and so dragging them down but yeah like again they had lost so many people and so like even at the end when they defeat that army Mm -hmm. it's not even a celebration yeah yeah it's sort of like i feel like everyone just went and took like a huge two-day nap yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Um, like when you're just that tired (laughs) yeah you can do it for a week didn't they do that didn't they go and they sleep forever and then, like, um, yeah. they woke up, and then they were forced to eat food. Two and a half days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> it feels it feels very realistic and human, actually. It doesn't feel like you would just be like, you know, hell yeah, we won. Like Right. You know, I mean, because you got to... Like, I feel like that's sort of, like, the problem with, like, a lot of the Star Wars movies. That they're so triumphant mm-hmm. that you realize how many million people just died <laughs> totally, totally yeah so i don't know it's interesting um okay so do you like it better or worse now does it hold up so i think it definitely holds up i don't know if i like it better i already loved it the maximum amount <laughs> this book's so good yeah i definitely um I, I definitely was looking at it more critically and more kind of like in terms of like the structure of the the novel and how it's put together and so on um than I did as a kid, obviously, but I yeah. I still like genuinely enjoyed reading it. Still had a lot of those same sort of emotional reactions uh, to this book. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, again, when you, we're reading it for when I read it for the books for the podcast, I'm trying to think about it a little more critically than just being a passive enjoyer, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The book. Yeah. And so when I'm doing that, like that's when I'm sort of like, how old are they? Right. <laughs> Right. You know, yeah. and so it's like nitpicking. Yeah. Right? Oh, her okay, I, I have to add this. I just found this note. This this is yeah. not related to that question. But so we're talking about her uncle and how he's bullying everybody and how he says everyone sucks. And she's like, Okay. And my comment was she only defends Luth because she right. says, cause he says Luth is like the worst mage, he's kind of right. slow, he's yeah. like not good yeah. at his job. Let's and talk about Luth, because Luth is very yeah. interesting. <laughs> okay, cool. I need to add this one thing. She, yeah. Her uncle made fun of Talat, and she didn't say anything, and that made me really sad. She's just like, he's like, your horse is old and lame, yeah. like, basically. And I'm just like, no, don't mock the horse. The horse is the best. Which is funny, because that actually kind of feeds into like what I was saying, in that you'd be like, yeah, he is old and lame, but so what? He's the best horse. <laughs> <laughs> he loves me. Like. <laughs> yeah. She defends Luth, and Luth even yeah. admits that he was, like, not a good student. So, again, let's talk about Luth. Okay, let's, let's talk about, about the horses. I like Tor better, uh, ah! but <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not your opinion. So let's talk yeah, about Yeah, that's him. probably true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, All right. 
So describe who Luth is uh, a little so bit more. So Luth is a mage. And it turns out that he is one of, like, several students of this, like, long-ago mage who, it seems, is, like, no longer alive or, like, among mm-hmm. us. Like, he's maybe moved on the, the astral plane or something. Um, yeah. But, yes, so this this long-ago mage, like, taught Luth. He taught the evil uncle as dead. He taught um, Aaron's mother was also a pupil uh, of this, of this long-ago mage. Um, so Luth is basically immortal. He lives in an isolated valley. Um, yeah. He's like kind of disconnected from the world. He's like, so what's interesting actually that he's kind of like Gandalf in that, mm-hmm. you know, he's like kind of, you know, elevated from humanity. He doesn't quite like understand mortal society is the way that maybe he once did, but he's hot. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, as you mentioned, um, he's not the best mage and he's no. actually frequently described as um forgetting to give Aaron information that would have been extremely useful for her to have. Probably. <laughs> uh, partly because it seems like he basically hasn't talked to, like, another person in a long time. He just, like, lives among, like, the wood spirits or whatever. Yeah, because he has friends, but they're not people. Shy. They're shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like they're not people. Yeah. They're not, definitely not people. They might be animals. They might be spirits. They right. might be animal spirits. Like, who knows what they are, but <laughs> yeah. they're not people. Yes, yes. And he lives and, in an impossibly large hall. Yes, he lives in an impossibly large stone hall um, in a valley with a magic lake. Uh, and yeah. uh, I think you alluded to early. So she arrives like on his valley's doorstep and like she's basically dying. She's described as like weighing almost nothing. Um, yeah. She's like, clearly if she hadn't come, she would have died for sure. Yeah. And he's like, he's he is not a very good healer. Um oh not quite sure the best way to save her. And she he ends up doing something that seems to be very magically risky, which is that he like takes her to drink from the lake of dreams. Where she had he she has kind of like a prophetic vision of the future, which may or may not relate to the blue sword. And uh but also uh in so doing, like he makes a bargain uh for her life. And it was like he says it was a bad bargain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we don't really talk about that too much and i honestly don't remember enough about the blue sword to know if that it like comes back into play like the terms of this bad bargain not in this book yeah i, I wasn't really sure. think so what was the bargain so the the what it said is that um so he is speaking to someone who's clearly you know as did the evil uncle um, yeah. And says, you know, you shall, you won't have her. And the evil uncle is like, no, but you, I won't. I'll have the other one. You can't have them both. Uh, and I don't know if that meant the mother or if there was someone else that that's referring to or or what. I feel like it's. I always. I think if I was the mother, because it's not in the next book. It's okay. Not, well, the, the blue sword came first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it also like in this sort of like mage realm, it seems like time is a little bit elastic and like the, you know, the future could influence the past and so on. So maybe that's what it meant is that the basically yeah. the uncle was able to kill Aaron's mother and then Luth was able to save uh, Aaron. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it's a little vague. It's a little vague. And also I kind of like that now. And I think as a kid, I found this a little bit frustrating because as a kid, I hated ambiguity and like now I'm more tolerant of it. Um, <laughs> more tolerant <laughs> <laughs> but yeah sort of like the um how magic works and sort of like the prophecy and like what people's destiny is is like pretty mystical and like doesn't follow logical rules um mm-hmm. so that's that's what that is but it definitely yeah. has sort of like fairy tale feeling of like we paid a terrible price we may have like made a bad choice yeah uh, but we can't, you know this is our destiny now 
Well, I also felt like part of that bargain was saying that because she's no longer human, and I think, yes. although she doesn't seem all that upset about it, he is. Right. He knows how horrible it is to be not quite human. Right. Yeah, that's also really interesting. It, this, so it wasn't her choice, notably. And it, it's kind of implied that if she had known, like, that this was her choice, like, she might not have accepted it, right? But then she couldn't have climbed the tower. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But she already felt like, you know, they already, at home, they don't treat me like I'm human already. Like, why would you want to make me even less human? Yeah, right. Like, an even weirder person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then, yeah, she basically wouldn't have had the sort of, like, magical strength to stand up against her uncle had this not happened. Yeah. Oh, so here, I have a note here. Mm. I wrote down, literally, I shall have the other one, you shall not have them both. Mm. Is Luth referring to unborn Aaron? So I think it's not future, it was past. That actually makes sense. Very good. So that I, makes sense. I really thought it was uh, like a like a past dream. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that I think that makes sense. Um, so like I described Luth as the perfect dude, also ageless, <laughs> maybe a little grumpy. Maybe a little grumpy. Yeah. He's a good cook. That's pretty good. He is. <laughs> and he calls Galena Galuni, and that made me laugh so much. Like it's so oh, yeah. funny. And he like can't like purposely I think he purposely does it like cannot get her name right yeah 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 yeah. it's actually really cute because again he's like this kind of like elevated Gandalfian figure who doesn't really quite understand mortal society but also he's like do you want me to go back there and kick their ass because I'll kick her ass like (laughs) which even Tor is like clearly it's like oh yeah I know they don't treat her well they don't treat you right or whatever but he's not just like I'll kick her ass like Well, he, it's very he lives cute. outside of the bounds of the society, right? Right, like, exactly, exactly. Or grown up with it. He has to. Like, that is, right. like, their sexist society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we, we're going to compare and contrast, um, you know, Tor and Luth, like, Tor's whole thing is that he's very, very responsible. Yes. He's super responsible. He's super caring. Like, when she was sick, like, they were talking about how he would, like, hover annoyingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to see if she's okay. Yeah, yeah. And like clearly had I, like I, had a crush on her since he was they were very young, which is also kind of creepy considering how much older he is. I'm like, shit yeah. child. You yeah. know? I don't know. This is also something I feel like happens a lot in books where just like you end up marrying your childhood friend. And I was like, that's a little bit weird though, right? Like <laughs> I mean, I know people do, yeah. but yeah. anyways. Friend. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. They're literally first cousins, but it's fine. <laughs> I wrote, uh, we became kings because of the K- Kalar, which is what they call the gift. Keep it in the family. I think there's a lot of inbreeding. Their family yeah. tree is like a circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay. Yeah. So, so Luth, okay. So then they, so this is the thing. So like, she doesn't seem all that upset that she's now immoral because I think again she sort of like doesn't really ever get that upset. Yeah, that's like, true. Um, right? Or it's like she doesn't show it. Maybe there's a lot of internal. Yeah, I don't know that she really ever gets angry. No. Yeah. She doesn't um, go like like some some books or some movies are like, how dare you take that choice away from me? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Which would be unfair. It's yeah. definitely like. Consent would have been nice. <laughs> like, consent? What? Yeah. I know. Yeah. But like, so she beats this uncle. She goes back to Luth. Then mm-hmm. they're like, hey, I like you a lot. And then they like eat food and then get busy. 
um, you know, <laughs> more or less. Yeah. Um, and so, like, they have this really romantic scene where it's like, as they have, because she has to go back, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't know how I'm gonna bear it, like, mm-hmm. you know, like right, right away, quickly, so my heart doesn't break, kind of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very sweet. It's very poetic. Yeah. And then so, he um, he lies on the ground and listens to the hoofbeats as she leaves. It's very romantic. Very romantic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but so I as a, I would curious to hear your reaction to this because as a kid, it did not seem weird to me that basically Aaron has two boyfriends, but she totally has two boyfriends. Um, she does. Yeah, so it's basically described as like now she has this dual nature, even more so now that she is no longer quite human, that she has both sort of her um, human slash Damari inside and her like sort of no longer quite human like witch breed side, mm-hmm. um, and therefore she like has to you know she has a Damarian husband and like a you know a magical husband. So she's basically been in love with Tor this whole time. Um, but yeah, also but like is basically in love with Luke. Her love for yeah. Luke are different. Hmm? They're different. They're different yeah. kinds of love. That's true, actually. That's probably true. Right? Like, I feel like her love for Tor is like, it's family love, which kind of you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. also like of a best friend, right? And like, this is something, someone she's super comfortable with, but mm-hmm. like, will never really understand her. Yes, yes. There, it's actually very well described. And yeah. there's a little bit of like the Tor's tragedy is that he can't fully understand her. No, no. And he wants to, or he tries, but he just can't comprehend it. He and just, think, yeah. Yeah. And Luth understands the outsider side, right? Mm-hmm. That, that the the other part of her, 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 her history, her family, yeah. you know, her soul, but mm-hmm. doesn't understand her human side. Right. Yeah. So she sort of has to have two boyfriends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's basically a god, so it's fine. Um, yeah. 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 So she goes back and then, like, she ends up marrying Tor and right. ruling the kingdom. And I think the book even says, like, they rule for many, many years. Tor becomes known as, like, I think the wise. The just. The just. Or yeah. The because he's, like, a really good king. Yeah. And the, the people do end up loving her, but I think probably always still feel a little distant. Right. Because it's not that she's royalty, but that she's done so many amazing things. And so right. at the end, it basically says that, like, Tor dies, and then she goes off to be with her other boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I would love Tor better, because I tend yeah. to, like, I don't know, I feel like their relationship is more realistic, you know, because the person you end up with, you probably should be friends with them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Right, but but Luth is the very romantic relationship, right? Because he he kind of makes these grand gestures, and Tor never really makes a grand gesture. He's also sort of like withholding. You know what I mean? So I actually feel like this is another thing. Um, I feel like in a lot of fantasy books, there's this sort of like you're supposed to like, well, um, they fall in love, and it's sort of difficult to describe people falling in love. Um, yeah. But I feel like the the relationship with Tor is very subtly and well described in that it's it's very fraught. Um, he so even like, yeah 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 it's very awkward. I think even before she like you know goes through this transformation, like he doesn't really understand her, even though he loves her. Um, yeah. And he doesn't. I think what's um, really relatable, I think, is that he doesn't quite understand how to help her. Um, yeah. And this I think, is something if you know someone else who has, you know, a long term illness or something like that, it's like you want to help them so bad, but you don't really know how. 
you know, like all you can do sometimes is just like be there for them. And it's sometimes you're like, this is not helping them. Um, But he teaches her how to use a sword, even though he kind of like knows he's not supposed to. And he gives her a sword for her birthday. Yeah, you weren't supposed to. Um, So it's definitely like, yeah, that's a bit of, that's definitely a gesture. And there's also, I think, quite well described in that they clearly, you know, they grew up together. They were super close. um, But now it's kind of becoming obvious they have feelings for each other and it's getting awkward and weird and like there's all this description of like you know they lock eyes and then they drop eyes or like or like Aaron starts to understand that like there's this um you know awkwardness between them and her responses is to add anything it's like well I'll just avoid tour now like it's like so sad yeah I actually I read it differently I oh so prior to her leaving mm-hmm. I always read it as Tor always loved her they mm. talk about how he loved her even when she was a baby which again gross but yeah, like how yeah. she would ride a horse and like she would be hanging on the back, like holding on. Oh, to the yeah. Back, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot older than she is. Right. Um, right. But like, I always get the feeling that he always loved her and it was sort of an unrequited love because I felt mm-hmm. like she was kind of blind to it because mm-hmm. she was so in her own feelings. Right? Yeah. She was so um, I, insecure yeah. that she didn't think that anyone could love her and therefore she didn't know what this was right so there's also definitely um there's a point at which i think it's galana's wedding everyone notices that tor is just staring at aaron the whole time and so there's a rumor it's like oh like the the witch woman's daughter has inspelled the first tor the the first soul (laughs) like (laughs) um he's the first tor uh but um so there's definitely like this explicit feeling that um she's not allowed to have him right like it's actually kind of bad that he likes her yeah well, and I, 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 it's because she's the, the witch woman's daughter. Yeah. Right? Because I think otherwise, if she was just regular, like, right. not... <laughs> right, if she was just regular. Aaron, if she then... were the, the daughter of uh, the king's first wife. The normal yeah. wife. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Demarian wife. Fine. Yeah. Perfect. Because, <laughs> and I think they actually say that at the end. There's actually this really great scene at the end um, where Tora's like, you should be the queen you know you're the daughter of the king and you're like way more awesome than i am and she's yeah. like no 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 the people will never accept it also like i don't really want it um and so yeah. they realize like the perfect solution is for them to get married and then she'll be like kind of a co-equal rule- ruler right she will be the queen yeah yeah so I, I always got the impression that basically it i i don't think she realized like what she had until he wasn't mm-hmm. there you know, and so she comes back and then she realized that he is really loyal and steadfast and he's just like a really good person and yeah. he's really taking care of her as he could, you know, and then she's like, yeah, you're fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess um... that was my interpretation anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Tor more. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, you don't deserve him. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how great he is. Do you get the feeling that like he is kind of like more in love with her than she is with him? I think that's fair. Um, oh, totally, totally. I he think she definitely is, has like yeah. romantic feelings for him. Um, but I'm not uh, none. But I think her, her the first time she was in love, in love was Luke. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's definitely a much more, uh, which is maybe normal if you like meet a guy at nineteen versus you meet a guy when you're like zero. Uh, like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like kind of um like a physical relationship pretty quickly yeah well i mean they're together six months or whatever in the valley because i wrote down learn to be a mage in six months less than grad school (laughs) a lot less yeah (laughs) although um she's She's like 
he's, he, he didn't have a great teacher and she's kind of, she's definitely about like kind of half trained. Um, there's, I, I don't really remember this striking me as a kid, but there's this really sad point at the end where, um, she doesn't realize that she, you know, as sort of this new kind of like mythic hero and then Tor as the, the, someone who's wearing the hero's crown kind of have this, um, power to heal this kind of like laying on of the hands and because yeah. they don't do that like they don't save the king's life like they could have but they didn't yeah. and Luke didn't tell her that and like he clearly it was not because he was like withholding information he just like forgot <laughs> I feel like again when you're not used to being people yeah. you forget how to people yeah. <laughs> oh my god when we when the t- pandemic is over and I'm like around other people again, it's gonna be so weird. Like I don't know how to do it. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm this weird feral person now. <laughs> uh, I I feel like that that is 100% loose. Like he does not know how to because he's so used to just one way. <laughs> Yeah, and this also is like kind of like Gandalf actually, in that he's not uh, malicious, uh, but he's just kind of like operating at a different plane. Um, yeah, which also yeah. I like identify with deeply. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Luth also appears in the Blue Sword because he is immortal, mm-hmm. um, and so he's a minor character in that, which I think is interesting. And so, like, if you kind of go. Was your movie adaptation, if so, influenced the memory of the book? So they didn't have any adaptations, but there is this uh, prequel, The Blue Sword, which was written first. Um, and it is about Ankarad, or mm-hmm. Harry, which is a much easier name. <laughs> and it's sort of like Damar, gosh, how many years later? Is it like 500 years later? Yeah, that sounds about right. It's a long time. It's not like a generation, but it's basically no. long enough where all the events of this book are entirely legend and myth mm-hmm. and so luth is in it aaron appears in a dream mm. sort of vision mm. but she isn't an actual character although she's probably alive mm, sure she's yeah not quite human right 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 so i don't know exactly how that happens but she doesn't appear in the book but anyways like luth is in the other book too and he's always a sort of like kind of mysterious mage that just kind of pops in and out right like, right just, that's just his thing yeah. Also, uh, he feels very much like a Diana Wynne Jones character. Now that I think about it. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> he like he knows how maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's like, oh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, like with regard to Luth, is that when um, the uncle is describing him, is this like kind of like the worst pupil of all the mages pupil, and she's just like just kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> And Luth later is like, yeah, I was definitely not very gifted. I was not one of the best pupils. Um, but a lot of the more talented pupils went off and like got themselves killed or like became evil. And I like, you know, was able to be successful just because I was stubborn. And I yeah. think um, as a kid, so I was a quote unquote gifted kid. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a kind of an interesting theme in this book of sort of like uh, grit versus talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh like if like as a kid, I felt very much like no, Luth is better than that. Like, don't say that about yourself. But like <laughs> now, as a you know old and tired person, um, and also someone who has changed fields twice, um, I find that a lot more admirable. If like if you're doing something, even if you're not like gifted or like just kind of naturally good at it, um, just sort of persistence is more admirable to me now than it was as a kid for sure. As a kid, I always felt when I would like I was so 
arrogant. I always felt like when I tried something brand new, it's like, oh, maybe I'll be magically good at it and everyone will notice and be like, wow, you're magically good at it. Um, didn't really happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it like, I I would not have found that. I'd like, if you were like the worst mage pupil, I'd be like, oh, you're the worst. Like, <laughs> this is not admirable. But now I, I actually find this like quite admirable. No, I, I really admire people who have, like, tenacity and stick to itiveness and stuff. Yeah. I have none. Like, oh. <laughs> You have other strengths. Uh, I know. No, my ability is just to be naturally good at things. Like, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, um, like, Erin tries to make Kenneth for two years, and she doesn't know oh, for yeah. sure it's even possible. That's yeah. great. <laughs> because the recipe, she says, like, there's a list of ingredients, but yeah. no amount. Yeah. And like think about baking. Like if you were to say, like, here, make a cheesecake, we're gonna give you a list of possible ingredients, like just yeah. go. Oh, and by the way, cheesecake might not be real. Like Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like you And also all like, the ingredients have like weird, like old fashioned names and maybe they refer to different things than you think they do. And it's like everyone's just yeah. like, nah, that, that doesn't work. There's no such thing as cheesecake. Like <laughs> no, it's hundred percent like that. And she yeah, she sticks up with it the entire time she's recovering from her circa, you know, yeah. consumption. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't have any ability to stick to anything like that. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm bored now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a, that itself is an ability, you know, because, yeah. you know, you just outlast your competitors. Yeah. <laughs> and even I feel like that, like this, this notion of just being like, well, I'm not good at it, but like, or like, um, like kind of nursing Talit back to health, like no one thought it was even possible. And she's like, well, you know. She wasn't even trying, you know, she was just like, I'll just hang out with this old warhorse because we're both good for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and something else like... that really stuck with me, like, through the many times I've read this book is, um, so she first rides Talek, I think, bareback. Um, yeah. And doesn't get his saddle for a long time. And uh, eventually, like, her style of riding that she's kind of, like, self-invented is much more... Um, like has to do with guiding the horse with like her legs and her hip bones and so on. And so like the, the saddle doesn't really work for her. So yeah. she rips it up, like makes a new one. And she does this over and over. It's like, tries it out. It's not that good. She takes it down, rips it up, reshapes it over and over and over. And finally she gets something that she's satisfied with. And she's like looking at it. It's like, I did a good job on this. And she's very yeah. surprised that yeah. she's actually done something well. Um, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sure her sewing is not good. Yeah. It's, it's explicitly said she's not good at sewing. <laughs> <laughs> But that also she's wanted to so <laughs> right, right, yeah. I think it's, yeah. Her, again, the, the thing is like when you talk about like themes of what it is to be a hero, mm-hmm. right? She has a lot of Kalar or the gift because yes. it's from her mother. Her mother, um, and people I think from the north maybe just have more, right? You know, so she got some from her father, you know. Mm-hmm. But like Tor, Luke specifically says that like you have gobs of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It literally yeah. uses the word gobs. Yeah, yeah. She's um, just like, with, yeah. Yeah, and like she married the only person that she could find with the gift, also. Right. Who happened right. to be her father, you know, right. Aaron's right. father is uh, Arbeth. Yes, Arbeth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like her talent, her gift didn't emerge. Like they said, if you have a lot of it, it doesn't emerge till sometimes later in your teens versus like mm-hmm. your early teens, like most people. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think it's just it, it's interesting how like what it is to right, right, it's what it is to be a hero. She mm-hmm. she's she's born with it, but a lot of her heroics really do not have to do with her having the gift. It's literally her just like, well, gonna do it. Like I'm gonna yeah. do the right thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just gritting her teeth and just kind of like 
white knuckling yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's not like, you know, something super easy or super intuitive or glamorous. Right. It's sort of the dirty side of being heroes. Um, yeah. It's a theme in her, it is definitely a theme in her books, right? You think about her different heroes. Yeah. Right? None of them are, like, sexy. Yeah, this is something else I wanted to talk about because I think we may have alluded to this a bit already, but it's a pretty grim book. It's pretty, um, like, as you say, like, the dirty side of heroism. Like, it's it's not glamorous. People get hurt in kind of, like, you know, unglamorous ways. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of compare it to the trend of, like, kind of, like, the grim dark fantasy, uh, which is more kind of, like, cynical and, like, everything, everyone is kind of bad. Um, Everyone's dirty and smelly. I actually love those books, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, it's very different. <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or like think of like, um, um, like kind of the recent uh, like superhero trend of like everything is like just grim, grim, grim. Um, <laughs> so it's very like, it is kind of grim and kind of bleak and like not very glamorous, but it's also, you know, very heroic. Um, it's definitely yeah. like a high fantasy novel. And it's just an interesting um, tone. Uh, it's, right. it's a very unusual tone. Because most books, especially if you're talking about children's books or if you're talking about fantasy books, I think they do have this sort of, like, Lord of the Rings, like... Mm. I mean, there's dark moments in Lord of the Rings, but it's right. definitely, like, it's adventure! Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And she never has that feeling, like, hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, like, so her um, her Kennet suit. Was, this is so great, actually. So she invents Kennet, which is, like, this... Um, not invented, she, like, recreates Kennet. Um, yeah. And she makes a, a leather suit that um, it's just like an all over leather suit that she just like soaks in it. And it's like yeah. when she puts it on, it's like really greasy and gross. And like, it's, yeah. she, you know, can't wash it off afterwards. And it's this really like kind of this anti-heroic moment. And like rather than having the, the, the beautiful armor or whatever, she has this greasy like leather suit. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Well, and again, speaking of the humor mm. is that... Um, Someone starts at someone asks her, like, what is that new perfume you're wearing? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like the remnants of this like burning in her. Yeah. Like <laughs> and like fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. Okay, so let's see. What else did I have? Um Endless Climbing. I'm tired reading the description. And now Rashes, the god that climbs. What would be your god name? Oh, what would be your god name? Ah, that's really good. <laughs> Oh, do you have one in mind? Oh, I don't know what my god name would be. Yeah, that's a good question. It's hard. Yeah, what's the thing you just keep doing? What is the thing I keep doing? Oh, that's the thing. I don't do anything persistently. Mm. Right? Like, I do something. The the god of changing the subject, yeah. I know, or like, (laughs) yeah. The god of tangents. You should be the god of tangents. Oh, that'd be good. (laughs) <laughs> well you know because i like I, i'll do something for a while and then get like pretty good at it and then i'll be like new hobby yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but you do get pretty good at things it's pretty impressive that's because i'm naturally talented yeah <laughs> <laughs> if only she could focus. <laughs> it's, like, it's like fake ego but also kind of real ego <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but it is sort of weirdly true. Like, I mean, like, okay, because I do a lot of things decently. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I can kind of paint, I can kind of draw, and I can do sewing, and I can crochet, and I can, you know, like, kind of write, but I'm, like, not great at any one thing, because I never take the time to be great. Yeah, we have a very balanced uh, stat sheet. Like you. I'm, I'm like a bard. I do everything yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just got a lot of, lot of 14s just all over. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just better than average. <laughs> like I get yeah. to like a, B, a B and then I'm like, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but B is pretty good from your perspective. I mean, like. Well, not for Asian standards. <laughs> No, well, I meant like in terms of your hobbies, like you reach it at like a pretty good above average level. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm not great. Like I started making stuffies. You're mm. like, oh, you're really good at it. I'm like, but I'm making it from someone else's pattern, right? Mm. To like be really great, I would be making my own patterns. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do the math for that. <laughs> <laughs> you freehanded all those, um, those Amis. Uh, See, but the Amis are different because, like, as long as there's a hole, you can crochet in it, mm. right? And so as long as you kind of learn the shapes, but, like, when you're making a stuffed animal, you're, like, thinking about how those curves mm. sew into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, calculating two circles mm. that are supposed to meet mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. Like, I'm... I'm not bad at geometry, but this is like beyond my mm-hmm. my mental geometry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. What would your god name be? Oh, I don't know. I feel like again, I'm like old and tired. Maybe I'd be the god of sitting quiet, quietly. <laughs> you are good at sitting quietly. I'm honestly like I'm pretty good at like I don't know. I feel like I'm actually kind of good at doing boring things, which is maybe not like an admiral quality and not what I want to spend my like immortal life doing. But I feel like I'm good at doing boring things. Like, <laughs> you have like, a good tolerance for boring yeah, things. Yeah, I have a high tolerance for repetition. Um, and I do like doing, um, I like iterating on things. I like getting a little bit better. Um, mm. Yeah. Opposites. I know. That's why we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's now I'm thinking of like, you know, uh, you know, you're not going to be good at it, but you do it anyway. Like uh, um, I started uh, doing ballet like very late in life. I think I started when I was 32, which is really old to start doing ballet. Um, And I have like no flexibility. I'm not very graceful. Like I'm not a good dancer in any way. And I just like was like, well, I'm not supposed to be good at this, but I'll just do it anyway. And like, I really enjoy it, even though I'm not that great at it. So live the dream, guys. Like. But I feel like it's very different. Like so, like when I took, I think kung fu in high school, we took kung fu together. Yeah. And I felt like I think I got frustrated because I felt like, oh, I'm not very good. People are looking at me. People are judging. Yeah. Like I want to be better at this. Like from yeah. the bat, like right yeah. off the bat. Yeah. And, yeah. And this is a problem I think Wesley has also is that when you're when you're good at a lot of things kind of naturally, mm-hmm. and then you encounter something that you you actually have to work at. Yeah, it's like incredibly distasteful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is the tragedy of the gifted child, like yeah. uh, to get like highfalutin about it. But like, yeah. this is why uh, I believed that I was not good at math. Is like math was the first subject that was hard for me, and so for some reason, it's just like, well, bad at math instead of like, well, time to actually study for once in your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but like when you've never had to study before to get decent grades. Yeah, right, and so like you'd never learn those foundational skills mm. like 
persistence (laughs) yeah 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 and also like you want to talk about sexism I feel like it was very easy to say like oh well you're a girl like you're probably good at like reading uh and feelings and like not math so you don't have to be good at math and I was like okay (laughs) not not feelings per se Um, (laughs) yeah definitely I don't I don't know that anyone was like Julie's good at feelings um yeah. But like you were really good. Like I think you were again, you were naturally good at like reading and writing and like yeah. humanities, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it was very common per- this it's actually probably still a common perception that you're like good at one or the other, you either like STEM or like humanities. And it's like you could do both. You could do no. both. No, it's I hard. mean like, <laughs> our friend who, who who studied physics and he was like good at like everything and you know I hate yeah. him for it like I he's know. good at everything I know it's annoying I know. <laughs> <laughs> like still not over it like, <laughs> I'm not. like 20 years later I'm still mad, <laughs> still mad. Still mad. Yeah. yeah 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 but no I, I definitely had like a realization um like you know, partway into doing a computer science degree, it was like, wait, I'm doing math. It's like, wait, I'm actually not bad at it. Like, it's like, I had bad teachers. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Like, school doesn't teach you how to study. Our school right? did. <laughs> Our school did it. And, like, I still don't know how to study. Like, Oh, I know. I'm honestly still so bitter about our crappy public school education. Yeah. We were ill <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like, they didn't teach you how to like write papers or pretty much anything. Oh. It was just like, just do it. Things yeah. will happen. Yeah. 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 Or when they would teach you, it would be like, um, I was so like, as <laughs> this idealistic little like freaking 13 year old. And we had to write five paragraph essays in, uh, in junior high. It was like so angry. It was like, no, I'm going to write 12 paragraph essays. <laughs> <laughs> or we'd have to um, remember, like we had to do brainstorms. We like drew bubbles around our, po- our I points. Yeah. Yeah always like back solve them I would like write the paper first and then I would like make up the bubble from like the paper because I was like this is useless I hate it like Like, I actually really enjoy the structure of five five paragraph essay because it's easy it is easy it is easy right like I still use it when I write like rec letters (laughs) yeah well now I like I feel like I understand better like the just um having a a template is actually great. <laughs> yeah. But like the way they make, I don't like how they sort of teach you like, this is the one way that you will do something. Yeah. Versus like, okay, well, some people this might work well for some people this might work well for. So for like me, I feel like I work better, which is like a brain dump. Mm-mm-mm. Right. I'm just going to brainstorm a billion things in a list. Yeah. And then like, I might add some subcategories mm-hmm. you know and technically it's a cluster but mm. I hate the look of a cluster mm. like I just hate the way it looks it's just formatting <laughs> it's so ugly <laughs> and the that's circles great. never look right <laughs> I, yeah, yeah yeah that's true actually that's true yeah like, yeah it's I can't shape. circle yeah. my word correctly <laughs> yeah 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 totally and so like I tend to write like just brainstorm all my thoughts get them all down and then like just start writing like mm. Yeah, I, I think that works better. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to our top, actual topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So okay. I think you have any other closing thoughts? Anything we haven't talked about? Uh, oh, I just want to mention one thing really briefly, which is that I really like the way that the king, like Aaron's dad, is described. 
Uh, because I think it would have been kind of easy to make him sort of like a kind of not a villain, but like just kind of like an unsympathetic figure. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty clear that he loves his daughter uh, yeah. and he just has no idea how to talk to her. And, you know, yeah. he's like the kid. He's pretty busy. So it's like pretty easy for him to not spend time with her. But it like it makes him sad. Like he loves his daughter. Um, she, yeah. He knows that she's suffering and he doesn't really know how to help either. Yeah, I actually wrote Arbeth is a good dad. They have communication mm. issues, but he loves his daughter and is proud of her. Yeah, yeah. And that is 100%. And, like, you got to think, like, you know, she's socially awkward. Maybe he's also socially awkward. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so, like, he just has, like, she can't express her feelings either. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. They're both emotionally stunted. Totally. <laughs> There's a great scene actually where she comes down to like have breakfast, which she usually doesn't do, and she's just like awkwardly tearing bits off of roll and like trying to figure out how to talk to him. And he's also just like trying to figure out how to talk to her. It's really sweet. Yeah. No. I mean, and I think that's where like Tor was really useful for both of them because mm-hmm. he seems to have more emotional intelligence, at least a right. little bit in this. Right. Where he could talk to her about other stuff, and then he, because he was going to inherit the throne, like he was really like comfortable with the king, mm-hmm. you know, and so he could kind of be a, I think, a bridge between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a really interesting character, and I think really sympathetic. They don't really say what happens to his first wife, do they? Other than she died. She died, and she didn't have any children. I think that's all we know. And she was like normal. <laughs> yeah. Like a regular, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. And bread. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his first cousin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the Egyptian royalty. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Targaryens uh, like, up in here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. It's at the end, you know. Like he's he's actually in it throughout, but <laughs> like he just doesn't talk a lot. Right. But he's also kind of quietly, um, uh, like, allowing Aaron to do certain things that are, like, maybe kind of out of balance or maybe, like, a little bit weird. Um, right. So, you know, like, the reason why Talat is still alive is that he loved his horse. And he's, like, really happy that her, his daughter is, like, taking care of his old horse. Well, they found each other. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he even says something like that. Like, he's, like, you know, you're good for him and he's good for you kind of. Stuff. Right, right. Like, Which he also yeah. like, um, I think it says explicitly, like he really wants uh, her and Tor to get married. It's like, they're the perfect match. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's very sweet. What was uh, another thing? So at the end of the book, he dies in the final battle. Which is, I think, pretty sad because he's like made it this far to just die in the last part. You're like, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. He's it's it's interesting because again, for a character that has like such a quiet presence, mm. his I think his like sort of energy mm. sort of pervades the book. Yeah, 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 definitely. <gasps> this book's so good. <laughs> so good. I mean, I love this book so much that when I wrote a fantasy novel in junior high, I basically stole all the character names. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know you that. That's really good. You called me out on it. <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> yeah. our teacher okay. hadn't read the book clearly and had no oh. idea. But you read it and you were like, you stole all those names from the Hero of the Crown. And That's I was awesome. like, yes, I did. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, do you still have it? That I would love to read it. Oh, I probably still have it somewhere. And I'm sure it is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know what? We really should do an episode of the podcast where we reread um, the story that we wrote, co-wrote together. 
it's beautiful, and I will never say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have a digital copy, but I can scan um, mm. the paper copy I have. Yeah, yeah, please do. We need to preserve that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for people who don't know, me and Julie wrote a story in high school slash early college. I like to say like, that as if it's anyone who does know. <laughs> like, does anyone know? This is our deep lore. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has read that book. Like, I've tried to make people read it, and then they borrow it, and I think they return it unread. <laughs> I actually remember being really angry with you that you, like, let Mike, or maybe you tried to make Micah read it and, like, didn't ask me first. That's possible. But maybe he didn't read it. <laughs> I don't think he read it. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'll like message him and find out. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'll find out. <laughs> I don't think anyone has a memory of this. Yeah. No, I mean, so like, you know, this is the thing. We were like bored children. It's, it's, you know, it's better than smoking and doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know how to acquire. <laughs> Okay, no, if we wanted to smoke, we could have smoked because my parents, my parents would have full on given us cigarettes. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, man. Uh, Asian parents, like, they don't care if you smoke. Man. Yeah. We had so much fun, like, unsupervised at your house uh, after and school. did nothing bad. <laughs> we really didn't. <laughs> so good <laughs> okay so i'm not trying okay. to think if there's any other final thoughts for this book i think like okay so this is our uh to do for our loyal listener um mm. we if you've not read this book i haven't read this book um, yeah go read the blue sword um i don't know if we're ever going to discuss it maybe if we ever do a lot of these mm. we'll get to it yeah but that book is quite different mm-hmm um, again, it's Damar set, set like 500 to 1,000 years later. Damar is now a desert instead of like a forest. Right. Everyone rides horseback, like how Aaron rides now. Like that basically becomes pervasive. Mm. Um, it's just, it's really, really different. Yeah. Um, and then go and read like all the other Robin Kidley books because like, yeah. I think like Outlaws of Sherwood is probably like to me the definitive version of uh, Robin Hood. Mm. It's really good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, um, Beauty is probably my favorite book of hers. Mm. I think Beauty is just, it's a retelling of uh, Beauty and the Beast, and it's super good. It and is again, super good. Super awkward, like, <laughs> protagonist. Mm. Um, and then Fear Skin, which is definitely for adults, yes. but, like, an incredibly, like, amazing and tragic mm. story. Like, it's so good and it's so sad. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, that one's a retelling of Donkey Skin, mm. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, those are my homework assignments for our, our reader. If they have mm. no, I mean, she has more recent books. I don't know if there's a strong. Have you read her recent books? I don't think so. Because she has ones like, um, I think it's like Sunlight, maybe? And yeah. And then there was Rose Daughter, which is another retelling of Beauty the Beast, and it's not as good. I really wanted to like it. Could mm. not. Um, and I, I kind of wonder if it's like the like her writing has changed, or if it's like the market 
has changed, right? Because I feel like, was she more famous before? Yeah, I feel like she was a really big deal um, in the 90s. 80s and 90s? Yeah. Oh, I'm actually, I'm looking at her, the list of books, and it's actually shorter than I thought. She hasn't written a ton, and she hasn't written in, like, maybe five years. Hmm. Interesting. Could have been, like, many authors, and just sent a, set a billion books in Damar. Totally. And probably, like, made a ton of money off of that. Yeah. But she's not really that kind of author. Yeah, yeah. Because I think she writes, like, themes you know what i mean mm. mm-hmm. yeah versus just like you know being a commercial writer nothing wrong with being a commercial writer if you like just like make a ton of money like that's fine it's like pulpy and it's fun yes but there's like you know kind of these pop writers and then there's like literary writers <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're like what was it ralph ellison oh yeah Wrote one super really good book and then like yep. never wrote another book and he died. Uh, yeah, accurate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There's actually lots of little like hanging off threads of the Hero on the Crown that you could imagine picking up on. Like there's Luth alludes to many things happening that like are never mentioned again. It's just like kind of background. Um, yeah. And with Luth, actually, I think there are short stories. Oh, okay. So if you ever look at that list, there are short stories that he's in, not like a full novel. And there definitely would have been like, she could have prequeled and written about the three of them learning magic school, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that could have been entirely possible as well. Yeah, but it's kind of great. It just has a lot of texture as it is. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, I think as a kid, I wanted everything spelled out. I wanted like so much more detail. I wanted like a million books. But like now as an adult, I kind of like having... um, these illusions uh, it just makes the world feel very textured it doesn't feel like um everything that's written down is all there is you know mm. that's true although but, i kind of want i want all those three yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 okay well mm-hmm. i guess that it for this book yeah um, i think so uh i think the next one we talked about probably doing was anna green gables yeah. So listen, 2020 was a rough year. Uh, 2021 is probably going to be rough for at least a little while longer. And so we are yeah. going back to like one of the big guns. This is a, a deeply beloved book. It, I mean, yeah. it was beloved around the world. It's like not just us, uh, but like <laughs> we read this book a gajillion times. This is going to be really interesting. I think reread because I definitely haven't read it um, probably for like 20 years. So. Cool. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Anakin Gables by Lucy Montgomery. Um, mm. You know, if you're listening to this, you probably have a good six months of the next one, so you <laughs> definitely have time to reread it. With yeah, us. That's, true. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, hope you hope you go find a copy of that book and listen to our deep talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, just to add, close out one final time, read The Hair on the Crown. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, if we got a dollar for every time we said that. Like... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Well, we should send those dollars to Robin McKinley, evidently. I know. We should. Wow. That's so. sad. Okay. I know. All right. Well, I okay. think we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, thank you, loyal uh, listeners. Um, being loyal <laughs> existing <laughs> uh, 
Jill. We will uh, talk at you later. Yeah. All right. Take care, y'all. Okay. Read more books. Read more books. We still need a good sign off. Yeah, we don't have a sign off. <laughs> yeah.